Hello, everybody. Welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode was recorded uh, backstage at the DC Improv after an episode of The Smartest Man in the World featuring Greg Proops. Greg Proops is a very, very funny comedian. I'm a fan, and I don't know if this episode is any good. It's, it's quite long. I know of uh, Mr. Proops due to his podcast and listening to it and uh, interviewing him in the past. So I come off like a really uh, a ranty fanboy. I'm speaking at twice this speed uh, for the majority of the 70-minute podcast. Uh, yeah, you should definitely listen to his show. It's called The Smartest Man in the World. It's a podcast. He is the only one that is on the show. There are no guests, which makes it a little bit different than every other podcast, and I highly recommend doing that. Uh, we will be back at the Wonderland Ballroom on uh, Friday, June 7th. Adam Freeland will be hosting that, and then we'll be back. Uh, I'll be back there on June 14th early, and then June 14th late night, I'll be hosting a British Young Things National Geographic extravaganza show. So that's going to be cool. So uh, yeah, that's it. Here's Greg Proops and me essentially yelling at Greg Proops about how great he is for a long time. Uh, thanks for downloading and enjoy the show. You're still funny. Thank you. Because you've been doing this, now you're sort of a podcast vet. When I first saw you, it was maybe a year and a half in for you doing right. it, like really. Before it seemed like an experiment. But now it's like a very big part of who you are. And now you're recording an album, which is kind of interesting because you haven't really been recording many albums. And you mentioned in the podcast not too long ago, it's like, why would I record this album if I'm doing two hours of material every week? Why are you recording this album? I got the opportunity to do it with the chill people who did Maria Bamford and Ari Shapiro's albums. Are you also going to record at your parents' house? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm recording at Musso and Franks in Hollywood, which is an old school uh, steak and chops place that all the old time riders went to. Faulkner, um, Chaplin used to eat there in the window. It started in 1919. So, what are your thoughts on Faulkner? Well, I think he's a genius. I mean, it, the, the hilarious part of Musso's is they'd like you to think that like. Uh, everybody went there to cool, which they did. Bogey and everybody went mm-hmm. there to cool because it was—it's right on Hollywood Boulevard mm-hmm. in the days when Hollywood Boulevard was not shitty. Yeah, it was you know glorious. But the writers all went there because they hated the studios. Like Fitzgerald and Faulkner drank there. At the, they worked six days a week, right? And on mm-hmm. Saturday, when they got off, they'd go there and fucking. Right, that they were just grouse. Okay. John Fonte wrote a really go please Thank wrote you. a really nice piece about. What Musso's was all about. The waiters come over and they put the steak on the grill. You're looking at the menu, they let you have a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, are they, is Musso's still like the same? Yeah. That's they, awesome. They've redone it a bunch of times. It used to be two bookstores. There was one next door. So the writers would go next door and peruse the bookstore and then they'd go over and fucking get drunk. And, oh, that's brilliant. And Faulkner apparently was the only person they left behind the bar and he'd go back and make juleps and shit. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a really cool place. Okay, here's the thing. Here's why I ask you about Faulkner. You're a feminist. You're, you're, you're a blatant feminist, and I think that's wonderful. Faulkner wasn't. No, no. And he wouldn't get air conditioning in his crib in Mississippi, and the wife was always on his dick about it. Well, why can you justify liking someone that, that's horrible to women? Well, if you hate everyone... I also everyone that question is about Prince as well. Well, there you are. If, you're, if you hate everyone who's horrible to women, then there's very few artists left to like, because so many were misogynist. Even Henry Miller is like... But doesn't that make you want to go find those artists that aren't? Well, there's make, loads You like them even more, like Kurt Cobain. Of he was famously a great feminist. See, I, I love Kurt Cobain, and John Lennon, who was not a feminist for a good deal of Because he beat the shit out of women. Yes, and yeah. then stopped. Yeah, he found a light, but it took a lot of years to find that light. But, but we're all evolving, right? I mean, like, I find that I said some shit last week in my life, like, you said that uh, people rape, and you did this and it's not fucking funny and I was like 
Yeah, you, you can't really throw on rape right now. Rape right yeah. now is the current racist. Yeah. That's the, and that's that's okay. That's how it should be. It's a very sensitive subject. But you seem to be aware of these sensitive subjects, but you're willing to go for it in a way where you're going to be happy at the end of the day, even if you isolate a crowd. Is that where the boredom preachy part comes at the end? Yeah. Do you have to build a goodwill? Thank you so God much. Yeah, I really yeah. appreciate it. Uh, for the listener, what are you drinking? Whiskey club soda. I love it. Yeah, you drink vodka. That's right, you drink whiskey. Yeah. I remember from last time. I'm from the Midwest, and you're not. No, I, I can't drink whiskey. Why? I mean, I have done. I used to drink Irish whiskey, Jamison's, and... Uh, not Irish, bourbon. I like bourbon. Oh, what are you drinking? I'm just drinking whiskey. Whenever you request whiskey, they usually give you Jim Beam as the well, which is totally fine with me. I love Jim Beam. You like Beam, huh? Oh, I love it, yes. It used to give me a raging headache in college and stuff. I mean, I can appreciate scotch and all that shit, but I'm See, not I like, obsessed with it. You know what I mean? Like, What's guys your are like, oh, I'm a single mall, 12-year, well, like a you, woman. You know, here's the thing. I finally went to Bar Lubitsch. Yeah. It's a vodka bar, like straight up, and they have fancy cocktails. Yeah. You, when you're on tour, and tonight you're like, could I have a vodka-type drink? You're not asking for a brand-name vodka. You'll drink anything. To me, the worst of vodka is way worse than the worst of whiskey. True. But they give me kettle here or okay. goose or whatever. Could you taste the difference? After the first one, I think you can. Mm-hmm. I think after two drinks, it, it, all bets are fucking off. I agree completely. Completely. Now, what are you drinking with? I think it's kettle. No, but just, just kettle? kettle? Locks, yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a very generous pour yeah. that's the three finger pour at least as one of the Scottish critics said he necks down three vodkas during the fucking show is that the average three necks down do you drink more when you're on the road versus it you have to drive home mm. or does it even play uh, sometimes I mean I, at Lubitsch I'm very close to the crib so I, I can have a couple there but I don't have but fun. do you drive yeah that's the problem yeah do but you live I, in West Hollywood yeah. I love West Hollywood. Yeah. I want to live it's there. Great, isn't it? it is great. Yeah. Why do people shit on Hollywood so much? Because they think it's not. I mean, the thing about Hollywood is, aside from the bullshit of show business, which is mm-hmm. dire, yeah. um, there's loads of intelligent people and That's there's museums that. and bookstores and like it. It's actually reasonably vibrant as far as the fucking cultural life goes. It's not, it, it, it's not a dire wasteland. I mean, no. if you want a dire wasteland, you can go to. Where are you from? I'm from Chicago, not at Oh, not Chicago. But well, Detroit. Or Peoria. Or, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. You can find places that really... Any industry town where the industry has left. Yes. That's it. That's sad. Yes. But anyways, let's just go through. I wrote a lot of notes. What are you smoking there? Uh, Camel Blues. Oh. Oh, they're the 75 cents off per pack. That's why they're blue. You're I also see. smoking the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, let's go... Th- is it okay if I just run through the questions? Absolutely. Brilliant. Uh, I like you for your style. Why pocket square but no tie? Only because tonight it was so bloody hot when I left the crib. But on stage, it's cool in here. Also, is your shirt from H&M? You have the black line. Okay. Is that where you shop for everything? I, yeah. Uh, Duchamp socks and Duchamp shirts. Okay. Uh, the The suit's Burberry. Now, have you heard of Charles Twitt? No. It's brilliant. It's a British company. They just have stores in the U.S. in the past like six months. I think you'd really like it. It's custom suits. You put in your whatever. Yeah. And you know who Indochino is. Yeah. Get those. They're great. Those yeah. shirts are perfect. See, I love the Thomas Pink uh, socks. And uh, and the, the shirts are a little spread color-y for mm-hmm. me. I, I don't, I don't want to look like I'm in Parliament that much. Okay, but, okay, socks. Do you go high on socks? Like, how yeah. much are you ever... Why? Because, because I just... I, 
I have to have the good ones. But like socks I, and underwear. H and M has perfectly fine socks. Like these, I think these socks are perfectly fine. They match a tie. It's brilliant. Like I'm gonna yeah. go with that. I think They're three dollars. I think it was Will Durst because Will Durst always wore a fancy, colorful socks. Mm-hmm. And then when I could finally do it, I I decided to go Deschamps with them because. And then I go to England enough that I can buy the Deschamps ones when I'm there. All right, that's you can a, buy them online. Now. That's a great answer. <laughs> Barlow, which is incredibly small, you can maybe fit forty people in the back. Yeah. yeah. This place you could fit about two. You would probably had two hundred people in here tonight. Yeah, you yeah. you were either sold out or very close to. I don't know. Yeah. Any of them theaters? Do you approach the show differently based on size of venue? Um, no, but I prefer the intimate rooms, which is why I love Lubitsch and I love here mm-hmm. because even though this holds two hundred and something, you're right up on. People. That's true. We're talking about the DC Improv for the listener at home. It's a very great room. If you've never seen the room, I recommend uh, the the documentary I Am Comic. There's a large chunk of Todd Glass talking about the greatness of places like this and uh, Tempe Improv and other places. Have you ever stopped drinking since yeah. you started drinking? Yeah. Why did you stop? Um, I stopped doing everything for a couple of months in 1990-something, uh, and that was the only time I really did. I stopped smoking, drinking, smoking dope and everything. Because I found myself in a room, and I was smoking a joint, drinking a beer, smoking a cigarette, and I went, this isn't fun right now. Okay. And so I stopped, uh, but I, I picked it up again. I, I, I'd like to stop again, but I, I don't know that I'll stop drinking ever. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Is your wife okay with that? Mm. Does your wife drink? Yeah, but wine. She's not a spirits person. But that's okay. Do you drink together? Yes. What do you like to do when you're not on a stage doing a podcast or doing your stand-up or improv? I like to be with my wife and hang out or go to museums or hang out at home and watch old movies. You don't talk about her a lot. Is that intentional? I do talk about her. I bring her up a lot. But I don't talk about our personal life. Yes. Anything. Yes, that's intentional. Because, okay. Uh, I, I, she's kind of a star from the show when we go to places and people, if she's standing near me, people come up to her and thank yeah. her. Yeah. Um, because she often gives me a lot of the material. Like, she gave me the Billie Jean King yeah. article tonight. And I often cite her and say, my wife gave me exactly. this if you need that. Um, and she's responsible for my evolution um, in a John Lennon way of understanding that, um, you know, a little, my father was a terrible misogynist. Your father was a bartender, is that correct? Yes, that's okay. right. Golly, you you're very good. I'm a listener. I, you're one of my you're one of my guys I like a lot, so it's easy. Yeah, he was a very bad misogynist, and he called women lots of awful things. Many of, I'm not going to repeat them. But the, he was married to your mother. They didn't divorce. Is that correct? No, no, they never divorced. Yeah. I wanted them to. Yeah, but they he and and I didn't like it when he did it, and he was he was not good to all the women in my family, and uh, I've never respected him for that. I disliked him for that intensely, yeah. and. Uh, that's part of the reason why I'm so avid about it. And and then my wife's the other reason why, because she's sort of enlightened me to them. You don't have to answer this question. It's extremely personal. Okay. If you were so aware of the the, the problems of your father, and, and you love your wife as much as you do, you seem like you'd be a very good dad. Has this ever come up? Did you ever want children? Not really, no. Okay. Because you are in kids' films. You were on a kids' oh, series. Oh, yeah, I know. I did many kids' things. You, you seem to be very... You can deal with kids. kids. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I was just wondering, like, is it would, would it get in the way of the lifestyle? Or just, it was never your thing. Like, it was never something you really wanted. No, and I, I always felt like it was her decision more than mine. You okay, know? okay. A lot of people uh, get married and they go, oh, we're going to have this many kids and whatnot. And mm-hmm. I always wonder, did you actually consult with your wife? Or is this just your overarching plan? So if it was, like, her dream, you'd be cool with it, but it's not, so who cares? Pretty much. I don't think either of us did. And I, we have a, several friends that are couples that don't have kids. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I've never understood why it was a prerequisite for being normal. Uh, a friend of mine said to me years ago, we were talking about another friend of ours who is a dad and wasn't a particularly great dad. And he has several kids. And um, we were bitching about him. And he said, don't you see? He wanted to be normal because normal people have children and a family. And I was yeah. like, hmm. And I, I've always, and this is going to sound wildly pretentious, I've always considered myself sort of bohemian in that respect. Well, I mean, that's not, there's nothing, there's nothing shameful about that. That's a huge yeah. part of who you are. Do you think you would have had children if you stayed in San Francisco or where you're from? Just outside of San Francisco? I don't think so, no. Okay. So it wasn't like you, the only reason you didn't just fall into that trap is because you got out. It's not like that. No. Okay. No. no. Okay. Does this make you feel uncomfortable? No. Good. I'm not no, trying to make you feel not, uncomfortable. No, because uh, I'm not obsessed with it. I, I Occasionally I think about it because I would have liked to have had a daughter or a son, you know. Yeah. To, but... Because at the age I'm at now, they would be graduated college, and yeah. they would be grown-up adults, and they would Well, be, could I ask you how old you are? I'm 53. Okay, but you still can. You could adopt, too. Mm. Because the, here's why I ask. I'm too old now. That's bullshit. Science wins, okay? <laughs> no, you care about the world like you have children. Does that make sense? You care about the yeah. future of it, yeah. and you don't seem to be a very spiritual man. You seem to be a man that believes in the ether and believes in the all-nature of, like, everything connects to everything. But, that being said... What are you passing on? Who cares if it goes to shit? That's what I mean. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You're highly passionate about the, the state of the world, yet what's your stake in it? Well, I think we all have a stake in it, right? I mean, uh, that's what aggrieves me so much about, uh, you know, not to hammer on it, but someone like Bush or Cheney who mm-hmm. do have children. Yeah. Um, they don't seem to care about. Do you what's really think that, or they just care in a way that you don't agree with? That's po- that's quite possibly true. Because I do believe that they uh, they think they're doing the right thing. They might. I think everybody thinks they're doing the right. I don't think anybody breeds in order to have a, a failed experiment. You're probably right about that. I don't think they dislike their children. I think they love their children, and I think their children love them. Yeah. Uh, I think they're close families. Um, Cheney's daughters called him the walrus because he would lay on the floor and they couldn't get his attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as their familial angle goes, I don't think they think they're doing the wrong thing. As far yep. as morally what they did with the world, of course. there's questions. There's a questions for everyone ever, though. And we're not all perfect. Um, I mean, we're Well, all... Mr. Rogers was perfect. Yeah, yeah, he was the one. He was it. He's the best. Right. If there was going to be a new religion, did I'd be Did Fred that. Rogers have children? Yes. And they loved him. And there's no scandal. I can imagine. Yeah, and his wife loved him, and it's brilliant. Listen, it's, I mean, I don't know what your family was like, but my family, you know, didn't. It wasn't all. It didn't. You know, it wasn't great as far as like the way we got raised and what's going on mm-hmm. and everything. And so I just always felt sketchy about that area. Yeah, I see. I have a similar thing, but on the other hand, it's I have more of a punk rock like "fuck you." I'm going to do it better. That's the difference. I think. Are you gonna have kids? I'd like to, but if my future wife doesn't, that's okay too. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I, I want to be with her. If we have kids, great. If not, I'm still happy. Yeah. That's how I look at it. Yeah. That being said, I'm 29 or I'm 30. You know what I mean? Things might change. So I'm I'm open to that. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to smoke in this room with you is because last I don't know if it was last I don't even know the schedule for recording, but you mentioned Huffington Post. I work for Huffington Post, and you're yeah. like the lefties won't let you smoke, but they'll. Blah blah blah. Why do you think that that's the way the media is run? Why do you think that it's all all right wings think this and all left wings think this? For example, one of my good friends is a comic. She's a huge pothead, and she's on Fox News all the time. Sure. And she obviously can't talk about that. Yeah. And I can't say the I can't say like Huffington Post is a lot of horribly sexist thing with the side boob, because I work for Huffington Post. So you see, like 
I don't think that it's nearly as cut and dry like we have of these overarching themes of what we're doing. It's more like this is our deadline, here's what yeah, you have to write. It's a big Venn diagram with, with giant. Oh, yeah. And and as you are a comic, you get along. You're, one of your best friends is a horrible Republican who's yeah. Drew Carey. Yeah. You're the opposite. Yeah. But he's still one of your best friends. I have several uh, friends there you who are go. wildly conservative. But when it comes to politics, you seem to draw this hard line in the sand. For comedic... Uh, is fact, it comedic or is it real? It, it, I think it makes it clearer, uh, uh, you know, for, for satire's purposes... Yes. ...to draw giant lines. Uh, I don't... And I've said it on the show a million times, and you've heard me say it. I don't think there's red and blue, because yes. I, I play the South a lot, and, yeah. I, and my family's from the South, my mm-hmm. mother's side... And I don't believe they're all ignorant hillbillies. Um, however, I, I feel like since I was eight years old in the Wallace election mm-hmm. of '68, that's when the line of demarcation was, you know, in my lifetime. Yes. I mean, if you were older than I, I would you would have said Strom Thurmond and the Dixiecrats, yeah. whatever. If you go back centuries, you would have said whomever, uh, 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 you know, Daniel Webster or Henry Clay or, you know, mm-hmm. there's always somebody that yeah. em- embodies white empowerment. Yeah. Uh, and I don't believe in white empowerment. Okay. As an issue. I don't think it's important. And I think it's it's been really destructive for this country. Um, Do you think we're still going to see white empowerment if we get a Hillary 2016 yeah, after eight uh, years of Obama? Yeah, I do. You, do. you still think it's going to be a bunch of white dudes? I, I don't think she'll relinquish any of the um, giant executive powers that Obama's embraced mm-hmm. the, off the back of Bush that I was hoping he would eschew. Mm-hmm. So I don't... Mm, like the Caesars, they gradually get worse. Okay. You know what I mean? I like, do, I do. Do you think that because you're more of a world citizen and you're not just in the U.S. all the time? And because you see it from England a lot and Ireland a lot? Well, they all... Every country's not perfect. As I, my wife and I often say when we're traveling, it's not so much that we love... Um, England or Ireland mm-hmm. more than the United States. It's simply that they're not the United States. Okay. And therefore, when you're a traveler, mm-hmm. it makes it easier because you're always a representative of where you're from. Of course. But uh, th- th- there's no perfect world. I think England has actually gone to shit in the handbasket even harder than we have in the last eight years. Why? I think that when Blair resigned and Brown took over, I don't think Gordon Brown was a bad human. I think he solved a lot of things with the Euro crisis and whatnot. Okay. I think that David Cameron is a ning-nong. And wait, wait, wait. Say that word again? A ning-nong. What the hell does that even mean? Well, I don't think he has any substance. You know what I mean? Okay. He, he's kind of a... Uh, there's no... Like, it, the conservatives once, a ta- once upon a time in this country and in England stood for something. And, moreover, they had an intellectual wing. And what happened, I, I feel, and mm-hmm. this is not maybe the truth, but um, in this country, the intellectual wing of the right wing disappeared and turned into this Michelle Bachman, you know, reactionary thing. Yeah. Whereas I feel like there's room on both sides for intellectualism. They're never going to be listened to because they, the intellectual wing of both parties is way to the other side of whatever's going on. Do you believe that that's the intellectual wing of both parties or is just the... the, the the, the fringes of both parties and I'd say about 90% of both sides are completely agreeable and can talk and have a rational conversation Agreed. and it's just those 5% that add up to 10% that are, are the loudest and it's like anything else yeah. but that doesn't mean that great things are happening and Republicans can be good and Democrats can be bad and vice versa no question and I, I think, I think that Democrats are odious and, you know I just I, 
I was a lot more in your train of thought until I moved here and in, until my, my, my fiance works in Politico, right? Yeah. And I've learned I that there Politico. are some fucking awesome Republicans. Yeah, of course there are. But I don't agree with them, but I understand why they believe what they believe in. Yeah. And therefore, great things are getting done. They're just slowing behind the scenes. Yeah. That's what I mean about this stuff. It doesn't have to be... Right, they're not Daryl Issa and they're not... It's not a Fox News mother versus Mother no, Jones or Huffington Post. It's it Everyone's pretty much the same. Here's here's how I think we solve everything, real simply. FDR, drinking summit, that's it. Every week you got to drink with your enemy, and it's going to be great. It's fine. That's why when, when Obama goes golfing with Republicans and people get all up in arms, like, no, that's what he should be doing. He should be doing it more. He is, and people give him shit for that. No, I think that's the right thing to do. People should be hanging out with the people they think they hate, and then they'll be best friends. If they drink, if they don't drink, it's getting weird. Yeah, no, that you, you're, I think you're right about that. They yeah. have to drink. That's all. I mean, I, I think FDR and and LBJ are, you know, really two of the great presidents. Yeah, no one's going to debate that. I well, mean, no, but 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 beca- because they were able to work both sides of the aisle. Yeah. Well, Clinton had that great talent too. Oh, Clinton. I mean, he was a disappointment to me, but not as big a disappointment as, as Barack is. Why is Obama disappointing you? Here's my point. Tonight, on the show that will go up, I don't know when because you record a lot. Anyways. Monday. Monday. You're, you mentioned that you wish he closed Guantanamo, right? If he did that, and he did it with an executive power, you'd be upset because he did it in a way that Bush did it with executive power. He's trying to do it in the channels that the Constitution Understood. shut up. And He's he a constitutionalist. He's trying ish, to do ish, the ish. right t- thing. He's a Harvard Law professor with a very fluid idea of what the constitutional law is. Exactly. And why is that a bad thing? Possibly not. And I think that these two weeks of bullshit that are going on now with Benghazi, the AP, and, and I didn't even get to the AP tonight, and... Um, uh, the IRS thing mm-hmm. will pass, and uh, well, he's unharmed. Uh, and in all the polls today, it was he's still, still polling at fifty-three percent. Well, and he will. He will. He should. These he are will. not his, his problems. And it's. I don't think he's not the worst president we've ever had. There's no question about that. No, but what are your biggest complaints about him? Because like today, I don't know if you saw it was well right before you went up. Uh, some great stuff happened with immigration. Oh, did it? it no, did. I did not. It see did happen. It was a, the New York Times uh, app sent a thing out. So that's a good thing. Yes, it's not perfect. It's Look, never going to be things, perfect. We're moving forward. Right, the hell, I, and that's I, I often will say that on the show when people go, "Oh my God, is there no hope?" And I'm like, "There is hope. There's so much hope." Of course, there is. And I wasn't kidding to that when I said for twelve year olds, the future's bright and there's a blue sky. Yeah, of course. Because, but uh, everyone laughed when you said it. I know, but you're like you're thirty. Uh, mm-hmm. The people your age and under your age. In 20 years' time, it'll be your ball. Absolutely. It'll Absolutely. be your ball. Yeah. And then my generation will be the old fucking <laughs> the stodgy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, then, but, but by then, Cheney and Bush and all these people will be gone. Yeah. And there, therein lies the hope. You know what? I hope Bush's daughters aren't gone because they're both doing great things. And that's completely serious. I look yeah, but look are. at what they're doing. And yeah, I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat, but yeah. they're helping the world. One of them is going into Africa to Absolutely. set up. It's brilliant stuff. Uh, John McCain's wife. There's loads of loads of. Well, people. she's always been... Yeah. Interesting. That's an interesting she family. Very interesting. The family. daughter's very interesting. So is, isn't she just? Are you going to watch a television show? Um, I hadn't planned to, but I expect I will uh, check it out. This is what I want to ask you. I don't think she's an unintelligent person. She's an interesting character. I'm not a fan. No. But it's not like it's not my cup of tea. I know it's not aimed towards me. <laughs> Two guys that I think with same cloth as you, Russell Brand and W. Kamau Bell. Have you seen Russell Brand's chalk show, the current one on FX? I haven't seen it, but I've done a couple uh, uh, 
pretend shows with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell's a, a friend of mine, and, and they've asked me to do a few. I think you should do that show. Here's why. What he does is something that I, I you're never going to have guests on. I know that. It's your show. Yeah. But I like what Russell's doing because he's bringing on people that he, like, on paper, they should not get along. And then he finds that one or two yeah. things that they get together on, and then everyone understands people. And he, met, he lets horrible people say horrible things, and at the end, there's a kiss or a hug. He's a very charming individual. Why can't that be a thing? Why can't that be every show? That's why I like to do Kamal Bell's show. Have you seen that show? Yeah. Well, well Kamal and I have go back for 15, Yeah, because he's an Oakland guy. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. He's from San Francisco. Why aren't you on that show? <laughs> to me, that makes perfect sense. I don't know. Uh, he's he, he put uh, two very good friends of mine, uh, Nato Green and yep. Janine, uh, um, who yep. ride on the show. They're also San Francisco comics. I've worked with both of them a thousand times in San yep. Francisco. And uh, I, I think Kamo is a, a, a delightful human being. Yeah. His big burden in life is that his mother loves me as a comedian. Really? That's wonderful. Yeah. That's so great. Well, Kamo used to be my feature act uh, really? in San Francisco. And his mother would always come and be like, I love your show and whatnot. And I was like... I remember giving Kimo a book on black history, and he was like, really, dude? And like, <laughs> yeah. And then I played with him once uh, a couple years ago, uh, and they had a different middle act, and he was over at, uh, at the Cobbs before he got the TV show uh-huh. with Paul Mooney, and I wrote him, I said, what, you're black now? <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's a perfect, you and him on a late night show would be very nice. He's, he's a, a very cool guy. Yes, and, he is. Um, uh, I'm cool. And what he's doing is not new, but it's different for TV. That's why I like it. I love one. Because if you follow, if you follow alt comedy or whatever, like yeah, you've seen that. Whatever you've seen, you. But most people haven't seen you do this. They've seen you do the song and dance thing, which is fine. Which is totally fine. And you're still enjoying the song and dance thing. Sure. Is that insulting that I call it the song and dance thing? Not at all, because that's what it is. Okay, good. Because you never studied that stuff. Do you? When you go to Chicago, does anybody give you shit about that? No. Good. Because Chicago is such an improv town. Exactly. That's why I wonder. Like, you didn't well, have any training in the past. Uh, uh, I remember meeting a guy years ago at a bar across the street from Second City, and we were having a drink. Old Town Ale House. Yeah. Yeah. The Old Town Ale yeah. House. Exactly. That's where like everybody drank. Yeah. And he goes, oh, well, I don't like that improv shit that you guys did on the show and shit. And I'm like, I dig. <laughs> he goes, because what you're doing is not improv. I'm like, I agree. <laughs> it's TV improv. Yeah. That means find the joke and kill it immediately. We're not establishing scenes. We're not doing yeah. any of the precepts of fucking improv. We're doing TV improv. Yeah. And I'm the first to say it. And even in our live show, that's what we do. We don't. We improvise because we're funny guys. Yeah. And we make each other laugh. But we're not doing like... You know what they do at the UCB or what they do in New yeah. York, or you know, there's people doing much more creative things with improv and always have been. Yeah, whose line is simply the whatever the facile fucking uh, representation of improv is yeah. to the world? Uh, Last time we talked, you were just about to start that ABC summer show that came and went. Oh, god, is that like completely? Done oh, that's now? dead as a dog, yeah. What, what do you think happened? Because on paper, it should have worked. Do you think it was just a placement issue? Well, one, it, it, it opened during the Olympics, and two, I thought the premise was kind of dopey. The celebrity thing, yeah, yeah. I mean, Dan called me and asked me if I'd do it, and I went over and I did a couple, and I was chuffed as could be to go do it because we got to spend two weeks in England, yeah. Um, and we stayed at a really bitching hotel, and uh, and I enjoyed it. But I didn't think that reenacting every moment from someone's life was the funniest thing you could possibly do. It depends on the person. One, depends on who the, I mean, we, I got willing. to do Ricky Gervais and uh, Serena Williams, which were a little more interesting than like... Well, Serena's was, got an interesting background. Does she just? Heavy. Holy just, shit. Just. I turned to Wayne at one point and I said, she's no Althea Gibson, and he fucking fell off the chair. 
I would like to laugh like I know that reference, but I can't lie. She was a black tennis player from the fifties. Thank the you. First black lady tennis player. Yeah, but her, but the Williams sister that was horribly murdered. I dig, I and their dad—they had to put up with a dad that oh like nobody should have a dad like that. Well, this is great transition to other sport. Um, we're both sports fans. You're a num- number one sport for you is baseball. baseball. You don't seem to the most racist and hick of all the sports. Um, that's questionable. Hockey. No, hockey is not hick at all. Hockey is the most left sport there is. Well, hockey was the first to Europeans, embrace. Yeah, no, Russians. no, hockey was the first to embrace LGBT lifestyle in yeah, the U.S. So. Yeah. Don't talk shit about hockey. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a big Hawks fan, and we're doing really well right now. Um, you don't seem to care about hockey. You didn't have a team growing up. No. You barely talk about football, only like when they're in the Super Bowl, because yeah. you didn't like it's just not a thing in San Francisco. And uh, basketball, you had the Golden State Warriors. Like, who kind of cares? So baseball is it. Uh, we're both big baseball fans. How do you justify a love of sport when we both know, like you said tonight, owners are horrible. It usually damages people beyond belief. It was the one thing that my father and I really uh, bonded on. Okay. And he, I, his father wasn't interested at all in sports. And so when I got to be like seven or eight, he started taking me to games. And he took me to hundreds of games. That's very... And I remember my best buddy, Forrest, his father was kind of a happy and owned a record shop in Redwood City. And I remember going to a game when I was like 16 and seeing my friend Forrest on the street and we waved. And he said to me later at a, a confidential moment... Um, I wish my dad would take me to a game when I was a teenager. And I was like, hmm, uh, I dig it. because My dad used to take force to a game with me. That's really cool. And so um, even as my father got older, we would get on the phone and talk about the Giants. Yeah, that's uh, the thing. That's what you talk about. So when you're raised with it, I think um, I think the things you're raised with, right? So like, Absolutely. I started watching when I was a kid, and, and it was Willie Mays and Willie McCovey and all, yeah. all the old-time players. Clemente. I, I saw Clemente play. Pete Rose, all that shit. I had Ryan Sandberg and Andre Dawson, so I was Ryan good. Sandberg. And Greg Maddox right before he became a Brave. He uh, Young. The 89 dance, Greg Maddox was unstoppable and won that Until your game. team came hmm? up and killed our team. And then uh, there was the Earthquake series. <sighs> How well I remember. I Who was did like, you root I, for? I was at games in three, three and four. What, like, okay, you grew up right outside of San Francisco. Like, how do you root for San Francisco and not Oakland? Can't you have both? Or did yeah, there's no rivalry. Okay, yeah, it's not it's like not Chicago. Like, no, it's not like White Sox Cubs. Yeah, so what's the deal? Like, do you, are you an Oakland A's fan, or is it like your yeah. second team? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Baseball seems to be this. I, last year they were, I mean, I wanted them to go through to the next round because yeah. I would have loved to fucking. Yeah. See, what, a, what a team they, they put, you know. Did you watch that Nats Cardinal series? Yeah. Oh my god, that was insane. That was heartbreaking. I I, I thought the Nats. I mean, I I realized I said tonight was pretty. You made glib. fun of Strasburg. It was pretty glib about Strasburg, but I mean, they did the it's right true, thing. though. But they did the right thing. Carrie Wood, sir. Okay. Oh, I remember Carrie Wood. Yeah, exactly. You remember he's Who not playing as a anymore. Re- a reliever, and he had one great season as a yeah, reliever, and went one. to the big game, or went to the All Star game in two thousand eight, but. Because they overpitched him, which could have happened to Strasburg, they made the right call with sure. Strasburg. That's not what lost them that series with no. Strasburg. Not at all. No, they needed to hit in the last two games. No, they needed to have good relief. And they they were up in the bottom of the ninth in game yeah, seven. That's a relief. They checked it up. Yeah, okay, that's 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 just the Cardinals being a great team. You no, know, the Cardinals are a great team, and that's what was so exciting about beating them again, of course. Yeah. I mean, the thing about the last two dances for us is... We beat legitimate teams to get to the playoffs, and we beat legitimate teams in the dance. I hate that bullshit, legitimate teams. Any team that makes it that far, it's 160. Yes, yes, it doesn't matter if it's a fluke. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's the yeah. uh, 97 Marlins or the yeah. 03 Marlins. They're a legitimate team. 
We're not talking about di- dynasties. Only exist if you win multiple World Series. You're currently a dynasty. I was going to say, like our team. Yeah, currently a dynasty. But there's been no football dynasties in a very long time. No, it's impo- it's very impossible no, to repeat. I can't for think football. of the last one. Patriots. Yeah, yeah. It is. That's disappointing. The but Ravens were, yes. aren't technically a dynasty because I think it was more than ten years. I was going to say the no. And Ray Lewis was on both those teams. Yeah, he Ray Lewis won the MVP, first one. Right? He won the first one because he murdered a guy the year before, so mm-hmm. he got that murder power. And then this one, he got lucky. He got straight up lucky. Yeah. That being said, they deserve to win. Yeah, any team did. that wins deserves to win. You mentioned something tonight that no one likes a team due to the owners, and I thought of one example where I think you're wrong. That's the Green Bay Packers. I agree. Because they're city-owned. I was having this discussion yesterday at a gig, and I said to uh, a guy brought up the NFL, and I said, if I had my way, they'd all be like the Green Bay Packers, because I think that's the way to go. And they're a good team. They're a good team, and they've always been a good team. And yeah. I have. And many, it sucks being a Bears fan, but yeah. <clears throat> I have many friends who are Green Bay Packers fans, and I just don't, I don't buy that the owners have the best interest of the game in heart ever. Depends on the owner. It really depends on the owner. For example, the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Bulls have the same owner, Sherry Reinsdorf. And he's a notorious asshole, and he bought two Chicago teams because he wanted to own one New York team. Yeah. And he's still great. He's still trying every yeah. single year. Yeah. That's respectable. And the White Sox got their ring. They did get the ring, and now they're the worst team in the AL Central. Right now. Now they are. They'll probably end up with a middling, maybe 500 record. Sorry. this I don't even know if the listener at home is enjoying me talk pontificating <laughs> about <laughs> baseball <laughs> yet again. I don't really care. <laughs> Um, do you notice if you have a better show if you do an early show? For example, tonight you had an 8 p.m. show. Last time I saw you here, you had like a 10:30, but actually started an 11 p.m. show. Yes, Allison and I were talking about it before the show. I, I, I do. I like. Uh, I don't mind if it's late, if it's at a festival or something like that. But as far as a, a comedy club, I, I think it's good at, especially on a school night, to uh, yeah, to go a little earlier. Who's your target crowd? Because you draw between like 20 to 60 year olds every time I've seen you. Uh, I think all of that. Uh, I think a lot of young people listen, and I think I get a lot of women, which yeah. really is gratifying to me. Absolutely. Um, what, does your wife listen to other podcasts? Obviously, she listens to you. I don't she's think giving so. notes. What she, does she do? You don't have to explain it to me if you feel. She's my partner. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. She helps me do everything I'm doing. That's awesome. So she helps book stuff, and she helps me with my philosophy and what I'm doing on stage, and and all that stuff. I I listen to her. First, before everyone else, before my manager, before anyone else. Does she listen to Prince? She's not a Prince fan. I like her so much more now. <laughs> why? I'm, serious question. Why do you like Prince? Why? <laughs> um, I guess because in my 20s, I just really, uh, you know, uh, I was teaching at a school in like 1980. What were you teaching? I was a, a teacher at a, 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 a school for... Uh, what do they call them? Developmentally challenged, mm-hmm. meaning inner city. Okay. Uh, in San Francisco, it was called Challenge to Learning, and uh, um, there was a lot of black students, and uh, it was, I think, around Prince's first or second album, mm-hmm. and uh, that's when I got hip to him, and uh, I just think he's an independent spirit. I also think he's too weird and foo-foo and and frilly for a lot of mainstream America taste. He had that giant, you know, purple rain. And yeah, kind he of had that. about four years in the eighties. It was him versus Michael. Exactly. So he wasn't that weird. No. So, but he's still a weirdo. He is a really weird person. Okay, but in terms of like pushing the musical boundaries, Curtis Mayfield did it better and further. Thirteen Marvin years Gaye. prior, 
No, Marvin Gaye didn't write shit. Fuck off. No. <laughs> Read about Marvin Gaye. You're like, God, that that guy's not so great. No, Curtis Mayfield actually made the music, and he. I love Curtis Mayfield. Curtis Mayfield is better than anybody else from that era. Yeah. His he's he might have the best quote unquote debut album. Be sure. After the impressions, that just the track one. Don't worry if there's a help. That's in a yeah. that's a perfect eight minute track. Uh, he was a sensitive individual and a very different artist. Like when you look at all the seventies. Uh, soul artist mm-hmm. um, He's got the spectacles He's got mm-hmm. the guitar There's a very Afrocentric sound yeah. To everything um, But he was able to do, Appeal to a diverse crowd Very much so and But he never really Rose above club level Either One And, and, and he's Extremely uh, In his own way uh, Political and, Yeah and, 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 and spoke to all the issues Yeah And he was smart enough To have his own label Yeah And didn't Fuck over people and didn't um, have just models that he tried to turn yeah. into pop stars. And he wasn't like a Prince. cokehead. Like Mar- Marvin Gaye was a, a serious cokehead. Marvin Gaye didn't write fucking shit. I'm sorry, he man. Wrote, he wrote a couple great albums. He does no, no. He wrote the lyrics. I'm talking about the music. Well, Him scatting does not count as writing no. what's going on. I, I guess I guess I gave sorry, him extra I'm, points because he's uh, uh, so sexy and dynamic. And he was like definitely that. way sexier than Curtis, but Curtis oh, yeah. was the guy to me as a musician. That's why I love Kanye West. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on Kanye? Well, I think he's a, a, a unique individual. I, I, I think that the whole thing with Kim now is uh, some shocking shit. Why, know? though? Let's think, let's, like, seriously, break this down. Okay. People think of Kim Kardashian as what? A celebrity, right? Yeah. Fine, who cares? What does she do? She raises awareness for the Armenian genocide. Hmm. How is that a bad thing? Not at all. And I, I'll defend her for that reason and also... She's not a blonde, thin girl. Exactly. And why is that? A, think, why is it bad that Kanye talks about that? I think that empowers uh, uh, all the people who aren't blonde, thin girls, yeah. which who have been wildly overlooked. Now everyone is, uh, of course, you have to talk about. When Jay-Z. I make fun of her, I find that people get real upset. You shouldn't make fun of her. That's a horrible target. I'm serious. You're doing the. You're not helping when you make fun of I Kim know. Kardashian. You're I not know. helping. Same when you make fun of Kanye. No one makes fun of Jay Z. Jay-Z literally sold drugs to make money. I was going to say, uh, Jay-Z I'm not a huge fan of. Well, Jay-Z's a horrible human being. And, and Beyonce, I, d- I don't get it. Beyonce's either. shilling for Pepsi. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's Kanye doing? He's, he's got new, his new single's called New Slaves. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. And like what Kanye. he said after Katrina was... He was right about everything. George Bush doesn't care about black people, and that Taylor Swift video sucked. Yeah. He was right on everything he's ever yeah, said. Why am I not more like Kanye West? I'm sorry, you don't want to talk about Kanye West. <laughs> Why do you do the show? Uh, because I'm connecting people with people more at this point in my career than I ever have, which I, I find amazing at this late date. Why is it a late date? Well, because I've been doing it for since the late 70s, early 80s, mm-hmm. and to get the kind of response that I'm getting now and to get the kind of communication... Uh, I don't know if you got here before, but I, I go through the crowd and I, I have, talk yeah. to everybody, yeah. and then afterward I talk to everybody, mm-hmm. and I would have never done that at a stand-up show. Why, though? I feel like with stand-up, there has to be a kind of a magic where you don't eat dinner with everyone beforehand so that they see you as an entity. Whereas with the podcast, I feel like it builds a bigger bridge mm-hmm. when you talk to them before. Mm-hmm. And then when you go on stage and talk, they appreciate it more. Yeah. That's why I... I um, then why do you stand-up still? Are you finding enjoyment out of it? Well, because I... Or do you wish you could just do the podcast? If it was tr- the truth is, I wish I could just do the podcast because I find it more fulfilling than anything I've or do ever you think, done in thirty years. But if that was like the only thing, no more stand up, no more improv, like maybe it would get stale. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't just do that. No, I, I want to keep doing everything. Okay, so yeah, why not film? 
I'm, I'm not I, just I'm that. actively seeking. But no, I'm not talking about acting. I'm talking about like making a film. I'm terrible at uh, structure. Why? You you study films. You screen films. You talk I about do, films. You know your films. shit about films. Yeah. Why not make a film? You just don't have that desire. It's it's funny. I've never really. Uh, that's a very good question and very pointed. I don't. I've never really got it up to do one. I probably should at some point. You shouldn't if you don't want to. Is there a story that you wish you can tell that you can't tell now? Or do you, with these three things, you have everything you want to say? No, not really, because I, I, I feel like with the podcast, I'm able to tell every story that I, I kind of want to get to. Has there been any interest in the, turning the podcast into something else? Uh, no, not from the industry or whatever. Okay. But for me, I'm going to carry on doing it. And, and you know, I, I don't think it would make an awful TV show, because if you could shoot it right... How would you shoot a guy on a stage for two hours right? I'm serious. Like, you'd have to edit it into a 24-minute segment. Well, it would have to be less than an hour and 45 minutes. It couldn't be. And you could not do this nightly. This seems like it's a lot of work. It is. I do mine weekly. I mean, I was talking to uh, Allie before the show, and I was saying, like, Adam Carolla does a daily. Adam Carolla has a sound guy. Adam Carolla has a news girl. Adam Carolla has a structure. You don't... Big-time radio structure. And you don't have that. Nor do you seem to want that. I don't want it, and I don't seek it. I like the free form. I like to extemporize. I really do try to make everything up as I'm going along. I, I didn't, uh, other than all the, you know, the articles, emails. Yeah. You you haven't answered emails in a long time too. No, and I, I like when you answer the emails. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. I like it. I do too. What? I have three pages of them. That's great. What about Ferguson? What are your thoughts on Ferguson? I love Ferguson, and here's why. When he first got the gig as a uh, late night host, yeah. he went around the country and he played clubs, not theaters. Mm-hmm. And he picked, uh, excuse me, he no, picked comics uh, from different clubs and uh, put them on his show. And Craig's always been really, really nice to me and cordial and put me on and let me do whatever I wanted. Well, he's the closest you have for a late night host that sort of, kind of does what you do with his monologue. Yeah, isn't he's my guy? He's the guy I want to follow. I know that's impossible. That being said, I don't think it's insane. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm pointing at you, which is the worst thing to act. That's why Bill Clinton, the thumb. I know. It's the worst. I'm sorry. What I like about you, what I like about him is you don't seem to have a script, even if there is a script. Do you get turned off by comics that you're just like, I've seen this bit. I don't care how good you are, but I've seen this bit, Louie. I've seen this bit, Patton. I'm sick of you working through it. I just want to hear you talk. No, I don't. I think it's uh, there's a lot of craft that goes on in comedy, and I think it's imperative that people observe the craft. Um, so, if I like what you're saying and I respond to it, I'm not that bummed out by it. Uh, it's the comics that rework the same shitty, uninformed. So, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, it's when I hear people do what I think is retroactive or you know, um, not particularly informed set over and over again. Will you call a comic out for not being informed? No. Why? I don't call comics out. Why? I'm in a fraternity. So what? Why? Wait, wait, wait. Because frats are known to be a great thing that helps people. No, why not call people out? If you think something's horribly sexist or racist, call them out. You have a responsibility as a performer. That's a bullshit excuse to say I'm part of a fraternity. You're probably right. How could you? How dare you call out anybody else ever if you're not willing to do it for your peers? Mm. Shouldn't that come first? If you yeah. hear somebody go up and tell a horrible rape joke, and there's no sense of self or care or worth or whatever, and it's not even getting a laugh, just can't you tell them like, don't do that? I have said it to certain people over the over the years. I remember working with a comic, um, 
Yeah. Was it not Robert Ducharme? I can't remember. His you don't name. have to name names. I don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah. Well, that's why. And and, and I worked with this cat, and uh, we were in San Francisco, and he goes uh, to me. Um, I worked with you in Portland. Do you remember what you said to me? And I said, No. What did I say to you? And he went, You're a terrible hack. <laughs> you, you need to fucking think about your shit. Yeah. And then when I saw him years later, he had changed his entire shit around. How is that a bad thing? It wasn't. There you and, go. And, and he said to me, uh, what you said to me that night really hit me. And I was like, I can't believe I said it <laughs> to another comic after a show. But I try not to give comics advice because the thing that fucks me off more than anything else is when I see... Um, Guys in their late twenties, early thirties talk about jacking off or porn for fucking half an hour. That really bores the living daylight. Okay, that you don't need to say anything because you know they're digging in their own grave. But if they're talking about jacking off and porn and then objectify a woman at the same time, you should say something about that part. Does that but make sense? They might evolve. Like some but people, how, but, some people who start with that shit go into something else and find themselves later. You know. But you'd be like helping that. You'd be pushing that rock a little bit further. That's what I'm saying. I mean, maybe I'm not that bold in that area. I, Why maybe it's not? temerity in my part. That's a horrible. Thank you. Thank Louise. you so much, you sir. I appreciate it. it. Yep. Like Hicks definitely took people out, and he took other comics out. This is another thing we disagree on. You love Bill Hicks. You love Lenny Bruce. I do. I know. I understand why, but name I'm that. From old, I'm older than you. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Name that classic Lenny Bruce bit that all the people laughed about. Well, there's a lot. Name one. Just how, one. How to relax your colored friends at parties. All right. You actually were able to name one. Usually people can't. Yeah. Listen, I... I, well, I a bit about Bishop Sheen and all that, driving through the poor neighborhood and then meeting Jesus and all that. that that's a good one, too. All right. I mean, you have to understand, Lenny was as much big of a hack as anyone else. He he, he started so, doing impressions, and he did crappy, you know, hacky material, mm-hmm. and then he had his moment. Epiphany, yeah. Right. Like I said, it's not about... Uh, Fryer and Carl, Carl and, Carl and Carl. Of course. Both of them had the same epiphany in parallel ways. Yeah. And I don't know that much about them, but... They were both driving back from Vegas after doing gigs where they told the audience to get fucked. And on the way back to uh, uh, L.A., they both went, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not wearing the suit and tie, and I'm not dancing for the man. I'm going to do what I do. Yeah. And that's the thing. And, like, I knew Bill. I wasn't friends with Bill. I was an acquaintance of Bill's. Okay. And I, I had occasion to meet him several times and, and chat with him and blah, blah, blah. And what I found about him was that he was... Um, unbelievably bold like you were saying about taking people out yeah he had no boundaries in that area and he would take the crowd out okay, he would take himself out that's not good all things in moderation I think is the key here mm. also and, and this might seem unbelievably I don't know galling he I, I think he had and I think Carlin and Pryor did too a little bit of a Christ complex and I know Lenny probably did too that could and be a I good don't thing that. that could be a good you bullshit you pontificate on stage on a weekly yeah, basis I don't think I, I don't think I'm gonna die for your sins and shit you know I, I just feel like I, I want to illuminate I, I, I'm not I'm not gonna die for you you know yeah I'm fine come on now you're splitting hairs okay I mean you you in terms of like recorded material you're way more Christ like than these two guys and there's nothing wrong with that hmm. Christ was right I, yeah, Christ was Christ wasn't wrong about anything. Hang out with prostitutes, get drunk, hang out with your friends, be yeah, nice. Yeah. Blessed are the poor. That's awesome. Blessed Why is that are a the problem? Meek. What's the problem with that? Well, see, that's the problem I have with Christianity is that, like, his message is so fucked up. And also the... Uh, uh, Do you really... Wait, stop. Do you really think that? Or is it, once again, just the fringes fucking things up? Because I don't think 95% of religious people are bad in any way. Oh, no, not at all. There and I don't go. deny anyone their faith. Then, then, then it's just the fringes. So you can't say that's the problem with Christianity. You can't have a blanket statement. That's unfair. 
That's yeah, a fair ninety five percent. We work in blanket statements. No, we don't. If we choose to work in blanket statements, we work in blanket statements. All right, okay, you're right. Well then, so I'm coming from a newsroom. I'm sorry, man. Well, hey, man. I mean, like, I just feel like, uh, you know, like you said, Christ was right. Yeah. And uh, all the prophets are right. I think yeah. Zoroaster's right. They're all right. I think Buddha's right. Yeah. Be nice. But be remember, a dick. Buddha uh, mm-hmm. had a wife and a child mm-hmm. who he basically fucked off from. Well, then he's a dick. Fuck that. Right. But yeah. like, it, does that make the Buddha's teachings? Worse for the fact that he, yeah, absolutely, because the personal is political. But he was, but he was a, a, a rich prince who decided to go on the road and be a poor person, and then an ascetic and whatnot, and 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 learn from other philosophers and whatnot. Well, then don't breed, be like Jesus. Well, Buddha didn't. Well, Buddha had a child. There you go. Don't do that. And Muhammad, and Muhammad had children. Family first. I'm not trying to convert you here. I'm an atheist. I don't go, actually. I'm agnostic. I just say I'm an atheist to prevent yeah. conversation about well, this. I I don't I don't disbelieve in anyone. It's just for me the um, uh, I don't think there's one truth, and that's where I yeah, get that's the that's best. where I get hacked off with people who say. But there is one, good and evil. There is good and evil. Of course there is. Okay, but I don't believe like um, that people who commit evil acts. All the time are just pure evil, even no one is. as we were talking about no Dick Cheney and Bush or Hitler. Or, mm-hmm. You know, Hitler always gets thrown out, and I think you brought him up. By the way, did I say Hitler? Tonight? You just no, 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 right now. I did not bring yeah, up Hitler. Yeah, no, because that's such an easy go-to, and yeah. that one really fucks me off with comics because uh, they always go to Hitler, and it's like uh, Stalin and Mao are. Yeah. If you want to compare genocide to genocide. <laughs> Their genocide is way No bigger. genocide's good. No, no. But that being said, there's a funny comic named Junior Stopka that's got a brilliant Hitler bit that you should know about. Uh, Hitler that's bits all. can be great. That's all. I mean, he, he's a source of humor. Uh, I just think... Uh, I love that now we gets, can just say that without... He gets blamed for... a source of humor. But he gets blamed for all evil, and he's not all evil. He's a person. Yeah. And he loved his dog, and mm-hmm. he loved his uh, cousin, was it? Uh, yeah, Eva. Yeah, Eva. And and he, uh, I don't think it have regular intercourse. And he was a non-smoking vegetarian. There's yeah. a lot of weird shit about Hitler. Yeah. You know, like he doesn't. <laughs> I like that you lump the vegetarian as like the awful part of Hitler. <laughs> well, I mean, but 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 we would say now in this era that vegetarianism is good and non-smoking yeah, yeah. good. And Hitler subscribed to those things in the 30s. Yeah. Uh, Do you ever see the uh, Alec Guinness? There's a, uh, a kind of a hacky Alec Guinness one in the 70s. Ap- oh, no, I'm thinking of App Pupil. No, not, not the Bruno Gans one from like five years, seven years ago, but there's a, uh, a, t- a TV movie called Hitler's Last Days yeah, or some nonsense. But the best scene in it, um, and Alec Guinness was far too old to play Hitler at the time. Hitler died at what, 54 or something? Something like that, yeah. Uh, when he kills himself, it's off stage, which is great. Yeah. So you hear bang bang, and him and Ava have committed suicide, and they're in the bunker. And when they hear the the guns go off, everyone in the bunker lights a cigarette. <laughs> and that was my favorite scene in the whole movie because there's no dialogue, and everyone just lights up yeah. and goes, "Finally!" <laughs> you weren't allowed to smoke around him. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this yeah. is the, the 30s and 40s when everybody smoked everywhere yeah. all the time. And uh, that being said, do you miss smoking in ballparks? Yeah. I don't. I used to work in a ballpark. I don't miss it. And I smoke. Yeah. I don't miss it. Do you miss smoking in bars? 
That I think more than ballparks. Ballparks really? can handle it, but but don't you aren't you finding yourself in more conversations outside with people that you would have never talked to inside just because you could smoke at the table? For example, when you do the show at Bar Lubitsch, you have to go to that patio up front yeah. and you meet people that way. That's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, you're not the norm. I'm not the norm. You, you're going to talk to people because you're the guy on stage. People yeah. want you to. People are drawn to you. But now you're meeting all these different characters. That's a great thing. There's enough. pros Fair and cons enough. to all of this. Well, as someone said, you don't smoke as much. Exactly. Have you tried the electronic cigarette? Hmm. They're not bad. I haven't bought one, but I've had a hit off one. They're not bad. I thought about buying one the other day, but I didn't. Here's here's what I recommend. Don't buy the kind that have like the re- rechargeable cartridge yeah, or whatever. Right. Buy the individual ones. Right. You get essentially 40 cigarettes, and it's $10. Right. And in D.C., that's a, almost a pack. I was going to say, that's one pack. Right? Exactly. And it's great for at home. And especially if you're watching something like Mad Men, where anytime you see someone with smoking, you want to smoke. Or well, you watch you, black and white movies. Exactly. Anytime you see Orson Welles on film, you want to smoke. I mean, I think that's why Jack White smoked. I mean, it's a pretty clear connection to me. Yeah. Um, Jack White. You you would be you'd be friends with him. I I'm desperate to do. Um, uh, I I met his cousin um, Ben. Okay. Who, uh, uh, when I was in Nashville, we went down to Jack White's studio and they showed me the whole thing. Yeah. So I'm really trying to hook up doing a live podcast at his studio. And he could release his vinyl? Yeah. That'd be cool. And they do it straight to vinyl. They buy I know, vinyl. I know. They're like the last they company. They bought a vinyl recorder from a place in Cincinnati and I, he showed it to me. Oh and and when, they're, when they're making it, he goes, we've done three or four shows in this room and yeah. the room's a blue screen, so That's they video so it. And, and like literally the vinyl pops right off the thing and he goes... We don't stop and we don't edit. That's awesome. So if people make a mistake or there's feedback that's, that's and shit, it fucking blows, that's right? The show. It just blows right out onto the vinyl. That's the show, man. And um, so, and also, when you go there, if you've ever been, uh, everybody wears little, um, they're dressed like you. <laughs> they're, they're all wearing little black suits with, yeah, with yeah, white yeah. ties. And, yeah. uh, and, they, and he told me, everything they release comes out on downloadable, you yeah. know, da-da-da, uh, uh, CD, and a vinyl. Yeah. So they d- they try to cover the waterfront. It's awesome. So there's a record store in the store. I know. All the girls are dressed retro at the desk and whatnot, and they do all the shipping, packing, and recording there. It's like chess in the 40s and 50s. It and 60s. is. Yeah. And I, the thing I dig about him uh, m- most of all, uh, without without ripping off the artist, uh, the Chess Brothers never paid a black artist anything. They were completely owed. It's okay. Wait. It's that, that's that's. Uh, but without the Chess Brothers, these guys don't have careers. So exactly, they they were Jews, Jews and blacks in this country have a, a absolutely a, a intense absolutely. relationships yes. between recording, being recording artists, and mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, and we are neither. No, no, no. Uh, my wife sent me a piece the other day that said Muddy Waters never heard himself recorded. If you yeah. can, if you can dig this, until Alan Lomax recorded him, right? Yeah. And Alan Lomax's father also recorded folk artists. Yeah. So Alan Lomax recorded him, made up, gave him the vinyl, yeah. And he said he went down to a bar and put it in the jukebox and listened to his own record like a fifty times, and that was the first time he heard himself recorded. Yeah. So without them. And I feel like Jack White's a bit of a musicologist. He is. And the people that Straight I up. really respect are uh, archivists and musicologists mm-hmm. who, um, like Paul Provenza, who I think uh, has done it with comedy mm-hmm. in a certain way, like when he did the Satiristas book and the Green Room show. Yeah. Um, not just because I was on the Green Room show, because I'm friends <laughs> with Paul. I barely got on. I only got on because Lisa Lampanelli's plane was blocked in New York. Uh, she had, a, she had a, a storm that stopped her from coming, and I was asked to do the show. But he put Jonathan Winters on. He put uh, Tommy Smothers on. He, you know, yeah. There, there's not a lot of respect for 
the history of everything in yeah. this country. And I believe when Jack White did that, like, when I went to Jack White's studio, uh, his cousin Ben said to me, are there any records you like? And I said, let me email you. And in Ben's office, he's obsessed with Iggy and the Stooges. The wall of his office is a giant photograph of Iggy and the Stooges. Yep. And he goes, I came in and Jack had done it for me. Oh, that's nice. And there's autographed pictures of them that's and shit. So, so nice. I sent him some videos of Iggy. Yeah. And Iggy in the 70s, who's, you know, gets a bad rap because he was a junkie and shit it, 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 in those days. Uh, is wildly articulate yeah. about music. Oh, yeah. And, and this guy is Muddy. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm sorry. This guy's Howlin'. Howlin's better than Muddy. Yeah. Howlin' was way right. than Muddy Waters. And he said when he first got to go to Chicago, yeah. do, uh, the guys in Detroit, or where was he from outside Detroit? He's from Ann Arbor. Yeah, Ann Arbor. Yeah. That, that the locals knew that he loved music. Yeah. And they actually got money together to send him to fucking Chicago. That's and awesome. then he went to Chicago and listened to records. Yeah. And uh, the thing he said in the interview I liked the most was he goes, they go, what is it about uh, rock that attraction? And he went, I like the dance, not to dance. I like the dance. Yes. Yeah. I like the dance. Yeah. And um, I feel like he's a musicologist. I feel like, in a way, even the Stones, in their own hideous commercial way, yeah. are musicologists uh, at that wild end of it. Uh, I think in the group, um, Brian was probably the most. Well, yeah, you, you talked about this in the last show. You mentioned it tonight. Why, why did you see the Stones in Anaheim? Last week, my wife's an ago. enormous Stones fan. Why? And I and I I I, I it's bled into me from her. I, I just think that um, coming out after the Beatles, like they did, and Andrew, their first manager, having worked for the Beatles, mm-hmm. the commercial intent of uh, what they did when they first started. Um, it, it, Andrew Lou Golden wrote two books that are oral histories that he didn't write himself. Yeah. It's other people talking about him and him talking. On the road of the Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah and they're called an Stone book. and Two Stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he became a, 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 a fucking, not a, I think a Scientologist or some weird, you know. <laughs> and at one point he was living in Columbia just doing like an blow. ounce of blow in the yeah. morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he was living in Golders Green. He's a Jewish guy from London. Okay. And they told him, you got to go see this rhythm and blues band that's playing down in Richmond. So he took the train down from, and he goes, when I saw them, I went, mm. And they had a manager, and he went up to them, and he was younger than them. He was maybe 19. Jesus Christ. And goes, I want to manage you. And then he went to all the record places in London. Yeah, yeah. And finally sold them. And he went in with Nick and Brian. And that's who he went in with and sold them. And he uh, goes, the first record they made, I Want to Be Your Man, right? Their first big yeah. single. Uh, he knew the Beatles because he worked for Epstein. Yeah. And uh, they were standing on the street. He, They were slightly drunk, he said, and they'd come from a luncheon. And Paul and John were there in their Beatles outfits. Yeah. And he goes, I've got the Stones in the studio, and I don't know what to fucking do with them. Please come with me. They go back to the studio. Mick had his books, his school books with him. Mm-hmm. The, as you know, the Beatles were lower class. Yeah. And the Stones are middle class. Yeah, I know. And the Stones well, Mick acted was upper. Low, right. Mick the was Stones upper. act lower class, yeah. and the Beatles acted upper class. But the yeah. Beatles were fucking hard guys from Liverpool. I know. It's Especially possible, Ringo. It's possible that John killed Stu. There's the, even that story, that yeah. he kicked him in the head once when they were in a fight, and that that's what led to <laughs> Stu's death. And that that's the secret that Paul's been keeping for fucking yeah. 50 years. Well, also, right? Ringo was in a fucking gang. They're 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 hard guys. They're yeah. hard guys. They did meth every night when they lived in Germany. They fucked prostitutes. Yeah. That whole period in Hamburg was. The, That's where they got their chops. Right. Man. The seventy hours yeah. a night in a club playing fucking yeah. uh, uh, Little Richard and, and yeah. all that shit. Uh, 
And they had I Want to Be a Man. They sat down and they played it for the Stones, and then the Stones did it. And they went, you can have that one. We're going to let Ringo fucking sing it on our Boys? Uh, no, I, I Want to Be oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your Baby. Didn't they also give them Boys? No, they didn't give them Boys. I, I know Ringo sang Boys. I think the Stones boys. covered that or something like that. Uh, now, I, had a ch- I met Ringo like uh, two years ago. Really? Yeah. How was Ringo? Great. I love Ringo. Unbelievably great. And when I went to see them, Ferguson. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine called me who works with Ringo he's his videographer and he goes come down we're doing Fergie Fergie, Fergie shoots right near my house oh cool over in Television City in Hong Kong yeah. so I went over and um, uh, uh, he goes hang 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 so Ringo finally came out the dressing room and went hey man and I went like this and yeah. he goes I don't shake hands <laughs> but I'll go like this and it, there's a picture of, it, of us laughing which wait, I wait wait Fist or Bash no, Brothers no, ba- type like, like Bash Brothers <laughs> Like Dash Feathers. That's amazing. And he's whipped in now, right? Yeah. And uh, and when they did the numbers, I, I I didn't stay for the show, but I watched them rehearse. Yeah. And they did uh, um, Boys. Oh, and awesome. Fucking, um, uh, uh, um, another oldie, another real Beatles oldie. They didn't do, you know, photograph or any of that. Yeah, yeah. And a, a couple of years ago, I remember I was on the road somewhere drunk, and I turned on Fergie late at night, and he had Ringo on for the whole show, and he let Ringo do 20 minutes. And... What I love about Fergie is he interviewed him yeah. and then they got up to do the band and Dave Stewart was in the band then. Dave Stewart Fer- from the Eurythmics? Yeah. Fergie sat on his desk like this. On his desk. He didn't sit behind the desk and just watched them and they did a 20 minute set and they did uh, 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 a little help from my friend yeah, yeah. and then a couple of the new ones. Just like the Ringo's All-Star yeah, band yeah, yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. God damn it. And I know a bunch of guys who've been in Ringo's band because I know Joe Walsh and I know uh, oh, Colin right. Hay. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. And, I know, and I know Colin Hay. And, and Colin like uh, played lead guitar and sang in Ringo's band for a oh. tour and said they, you know, Ringo was the coolest. Yeah. Everybody gets to do their number. Yeah. And then Ringo does his numbers. Yeah. And then you do a few Beatles songs. That's so great. And then you fuck off. That's why I like the Beatles more than the Stones, man. I'm sorry. The Stones just are pompous assholes to me. They always yeah. have. And that being said, I'm a nobody from the Chicago. Yeah. So, I mean, I like... So the, what do you like, blues and shit? I like Holland Wolf, number one. Iggy... I tried oh, to get Holland Iggy... Wolf. I tried you to saw get, that documentary. No, but I read the book. Oh. The, the doc came after the book. The yeah. book is awesome. I haven't read the book. Did you ever read the chess book, Spinning yeah. Blues into Gold? No. Oh, it's a, it's a good read. It's a yeah. good read. Here's the thing about those chess guys. Like, yes, they didn't pay them in terms of royalties, but those guys went and toured without them. The tours paid their bills. It's yeah. no, it's no yeah. different than any band nowadays. You're not releasing a record uh, to make money on sales. You're releasing a record to tour. Yeah, they provided tour support. Those guys drank. It was like the Blues Brothers. They drank their weight in booze every night, yeah, they but they still got paid because they financed the tour. Yeah. Therefore, to me, it's not that bad. I mean, Howlin' Wolf. Uh, there's those Memphis sessions that no one has ever really heard. Came out as like a double disc a few years ago. And, uh, yeah, the, the stuff's there, but without chess, no one knows who the fuck Holland is. And Thank Holland you. was the best. 300-pound dude writhing on the bar, on the floor, going through women's legs. He's, it's amazing. And his voice. It's just He's the best, and that's why I love he's a, Iggy. He's a call from beyond, man. Well, no, Iggy. Iggy is the white version of Holland Wolf. I agree. The 300-pound black guy versus 120-pound white guy. Yeah. One likes heroin, one is sober. Yeah. Same right, dude. right, Same right. dude. Super sober. That's what I like about those guys. Dude, find his band members way more than James Brown. Better than James Brown. To be fair, James yeah. Brown is a way better performer. But oh, Holland no Wolf is a musical visionary that is completely underrated and I think will be yeah, lost at time, sadly, to Muddy Waters. 
And, but they were friends and rivals, and that's why I like those cats. Sorry, I'm really into music. No, and Little Walter and, and, and all Little Walter's a there. fucking addict, man. Yeah. And his he's amazing. Yeah. He's ama- but he played on everybody's shit, man. Every all those guys yeah, are just session players. And Tebow Walker and fucking All of them. And the Pine Top is like the last guy to uh, pass yeah. Yeah. from that generation that was. And then there's John Lee Hooker, who was supposed to be not a nice person at all, but <laughs> an extraordinary musician and there's so many guys like that, and I feel like Iggy's almost this too. Where they might get lost due to time. Iggy's getting lost due to, and these he new records aren't bit, helping. He? It's not fair because he released two of the best albums of the '70s. Lust for Life is a perfect record, and yeah. The Idiot is a perfect record. Yeah. And the only reason why that worked is because a cokehead from Britain found him, and that alone makes David Bowie Hall of Fame material forever. No question. To me. Now I'm good mates with Tony Visconti. And I'm going to see Tony. Really? Yeah. I'm going to meet shit. Tony when I go to New York this week. Cool. And um, uh, I, I've met him over the last few years. I had him on my talk show twice in Los Angeles. And uh, uh, he'll tell you all this stuff, you know. Here, so here's the best Tony Visconti story. Um, he, he'll, he doesn't talk shit about Bowie ever. Yeah. And he made the new record with him. Yeah. Like the new one, right? Yeah. And, um, Which is essentially going back to the Berlin area for like right. the third time. Right, the third. He then was Berlin, like, yeah. and it was a decent right. record. Like, was okay, but I don't know why people are like, "Oh my God, it's old Bowie." No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Whatever. Go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. I tell you with them. But he said when he was a teenager and he lived in New York and he's from Queens. I think he's from a tiny town in Queens. Yeah. And then he moved to London in yeah. like the early seventies. He goes um, late fifties. He went to see um, a Little Richard. And he goes, after the show, he goes, I was 15 or 16, they went out in the parking lot after the show, and Little Richard had a lavender custom-made Cadillac with cool lavender dude. interior that had a, 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 a convertible top that closed and opened, and he sat there and he said he had a lavender suit and boots and shit, and he talked to all the teenagers, sat in the car, and fucking talked to all badass. the teenagers. Yeah. And I was like, Tony, because my wife doesn't love 50s music the way I love 50s music like I and I because I was bringing up to him um, uh, Dave Bartholomew and all, all these 50s producers yeah. and shit and Tony of course you know, he knew it he knew that shit back yeah. then and, and like because uh, Dave Bartholomew recorded uh, Huey, Huey Smith and the Clowns at Frankie Ford C. Cruz uh, um, Fats Domino all, all those wow. yeah you know great 50s artists and uh, uh, that story excited me more than anything I, he goes he could make the aerial go up and down. He could make the top go up and down. And the fact that after the show, we all came out and rapped with him. That's so And cool. that little Richard fucking, like... Well, he, you know, that's why Bowie plays sax. Really? Because of little Richard? He wanted to be a sax player in his band. That's yeah, why he started right. becoming a musician. And on the Iggy records, he does, right? Yeah, he plays And on still, Walk in the Wilds, on, on Lou Reed's record, he plays I'm not sax. a big Lou Reed fan. I know you are. Really? I'm no, no, because my, my wife's a huge Lou Reed fan. I did a show with John Cale um, mm. in Chicago in September. What happened? I did the comedy show after him. Yeah. Do you know how hard it is to compete with a crowd that just saw him and um, I'm supposed to go up and extraordinarily talk about difficult. dick jokes and stuff? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a tough gig. Um... I don't get Lou Reed the same way I get Bowie. I know yeah. that Bowie was never the first or anything, but at the same time, Bowie had a heart and he had to, he, he yeah. knew what was going on. Yeah. He's like a really good creative director. You know exactly. What I mean? and he might be the greatest creative he's director. He's got the best fucking taste. And I don't care what anybody says, Lowe is an amazing... It I might be Lowe. the best record of the 70s next to Ramones Ramones. Yeah. 
You're just a little girl with gray eyes. Wait a minute, say something. Wait until the crowd. I kind of want Be My Wife to be on the. the I love Be My Wife. But I can't, like, I, I just know that was. His, and then, like, like right after that was, like, his mansion, Coke, like, I think, yeah, like, yeah, vampire era. And stuff and yeah, so, like, uh, don't have to answer this. Uh, if it's a too personal, what was your wedding song? What was your first dance song with your wife? We, we if, didn't have one, but it would be Just In Time by Dean Martin Ripley. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, God damn. Do you know who Daniel Johnston is? No. Daniel Johnston from Texas? You know, you obviously know Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain had that uh, t-shirt of like the little alien guy. That was a Daniel Johnston t-shirt. Oh. He's uh, a brilliant, he's uh, as of now, essentially developmentally disabled, but it was questionable if he just had autism because Gibby from the Butthole Service gave him a shitload of acid in like 84 and fucked with his mind. And there's a great documentary about Daniel Johnson. I think he was really? dead. Yeah. These are the, sorry, I'm trying to connect. Where's he from? Texas. Yeah, that's what he's, I a, he's an overweight gentleman from Texas, yeah. and uh, he's just brilliant. And all these guys know him. And I, I feel <laughs> like people need champions, right? Like yeah. Iggy's champion was Bowie. Yeah. Daniel Johnson's champion was Kurt Cobain. In a way, your champion is kind of Drew Carey. Not really. Your champion is the Who's Line guys from Britain. But you you worked for that. Like, who are the guys that like put you here? Um, or are there any? Is it just totally different in comedy? My friend Warren Thomas, who passed away, was a brilliant comic from San Francisco. He was someone I admired more than anyone else comedically. Um, he was fearless on stage, and he was uh, the riff master. Yeah. So, is that why you do what you do now? Yeah. 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 That makes he sense. passed away um, seven, eight years ago, and uh, it was real bad that for sucks. me. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think of him. And uh, yeah. uh, uh, my wife and I were really good friends with him, and. He was a black guy from San Francisco, and, and we were best friends, and uh, he died of AIDS, but he had AIDS for ages and ages. Yeah. He was a drug addict, and he slept with the world and shit, and he was the funniest fucking comic I've ever known. Yeah. Uh, Slayton and Durst from San Francisco, um, because not... Durst, because he was a mentor without <clears throat> overtly saying, you should do this. Yeah. Uh, I remember doing a gig with Durst in the early 80s. And we were doing some shit gig in San Rafael or something, and I go, I'm here because I know why I'm here. I go, why are you here? You're only probably getting 200 bucks. And he goes, Greg, I'm working. That's true. And I went. That's true. And then he also said to me, don't throw away the old material. Rewrite it. And reuse it. And and so I learned a lot of ethos from Will and from Bobby. um, The cocksure attitude on stage. Were you these guys political? Durst is seriously political. Bobby, I always said, was Lenny Bruce without a conscience. Bobby is wildly racist on stage. <laughs> but he takes everybody out. His wife, Jews, blacks, yeah, Chinese, yeah, yeah. whatever. Uh, but th- it, it was the attitude on stage. He never relented. Yeah. And unrelentingness, or relentlessness, or whatever the fuck it's called, is yeah. uh, uh, a real interesting position to take as a comedian. Instead of being seductive. Right? Like, I don't dig seduction on stage. Russell Brand is very seductive. Russell Brand's really seductive. But Russell Brand is charming, as I say. Like, it, I, I didn't... When I met him, uh, uh, I knew who he was and yeah. I knew what he did. Uh, and then when I met him, he was so polite and intelligent that I was like, oh, you you're, get you're lovely. Yeah. You're lovely. Um, and, he's, and when I see him, we're friends, you yeah. know? Do you feel like maybe I shouldn't do political stuff, or you're like, fuck it, I'm always going to do political stuff because that's what I like? I think you always do political stuff. Okay. Or one always does political stuff. The reason why I ask is tomorrow, or the reason why you're in DC right now is not for the podcast. 
it's because you have a corporate gig. Is yeah, that I had correct? a corporate gig yesterday. You're doing a corporate gig with yeah. these those, those two gentlemen. Like, would they have done corporate gigs? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I try not to be so overtly corporate. Uh, you have a great. I love your story about doing the Coors gig with Tom Petty. Did I tell that one? That was about a year ago. Yeah, it was really fun. That was amazing. Yeah, he did a corporate gig for the listener at home. He did a corporate gig with the Pussycat Dolls. Yeah. Tom Petty. The OJs? And the OJs. And the OJs were like third build or something like yeah, that. They and, went on first. <laughs> and But you got paid essentially a year. I don't know what you didn't say the number. But like 25 grand or something. Jesus Christ. For 20 minutes of talking? Well, we, we stood around and we bullshitted and, and it was me and Colin and we got really wildly drunk the night before in my room. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, that gig was hilarious. Are you able to do those Tom gigs? Tom it was short. That's why oh, I couldn't yeah. get over. Oh, really? You, didn't, you couldn't get over that? Well, I mean, I could get over it, but it was like, I had I, always presumed he was six feet tall for ah. some reason. I don't ah, know why. I think he's like five, six. Oh, easily. Stringy hair. Yeah. 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 Little no. wispy, little wispy motherfucker. Yeah, Jack White's big. Josh, you know like Queens of the Stone Age? I know Josh. There you go. He's a big dude. I've done a couple shows with Josh, and, and he's lovely. He is. Uh, the um, uh, When they did them Crooked Vultures, I legged yeah. off them so hard, and uh, <laughs> I... I, I I took everyone to the show in Seattle a couple years ago, and, and Dave and Josh let us backstage, and we got high and fucking hung out, and we went to dinner with them and shit. Why do you get high? I love pot. I don't know why. I think it's just the other. I don't know. I like alcohol. I don't like pot. I've never done pot. I haven't got high tonight. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Sorry I can't help. Yeah. I mean, is it weird doing D.C.? Do you care? You just do your shit at this point. I love D.C. I mean... You love the club. Yeah. But do you care about, like, it's D.C.? Like, does it matter? Well, my wife's from uh, um, Fairfax. Oh, okay. So you're you, you're familiar with the area. Absolutely. What's next? Do you have a next? Or is it just plugging away? I'm got a, uh, I'm doing the video, and I'm doing a, a, a book, uh, which I haven't written yet. Uh, but What's the deadline? Uh, February. How many words? 75,000. You can mail that out. Yeah. What's it about? It's the smartest book in the world. It's the podcast on nice, on paper. nice. Are you going to tour John Hodgman? Do I who? Do you know you know John Hodgman? Yeah, Jet John. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Do, obviously, his book. I haven't read his book. Oh, he's got three. They're brilliant. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. should go with him on tour. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Two bespeckled men that are the smartest men in the world. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, I think his podcast is great, and I, 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 I uh, so that's what's next. I, uh, I've got to write this fucking video. And I've got to write this fucking book. I like how you referred to your comedy special as a video. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah. Uh, will you be appearing in any more music videos coming up? Uh, not that I know of. <laughs> unless someone asks me. Um, thank you for not being an old curmudgeon that's still good, that like hates new art. Oh, I don't hate new art I mean, I meet so many of these older comics that I really like, and, and like they just don't care about new stuff, and you, you seem to actually care. I, I don't think there's anything but the new. I, I think agree. I'm trying to be in the new because uh, I don't know like I was reading an article about Prince today Ugh. and his whole new band is, is young yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or, or for instance Miles Davis or whoever you want to think of uh, I, I, I don't it, if I could be in a band with a bunch of new guys yeah. I think that would be the way to go because I think uh, here's the word here's what you'll hate that I read about Prince today because you don't like Prince he said uh, and this is so pretentious of Prince I have my legacy. It's their legacy now. Yeah, yeah. But in a way, he's right. Like, Miles from the 70s onward or yeah. whatever, 60s onward, um, 
always worked with young guys, mm-hmm. and I think it's imperative to. Uh, I I don't I didn't like it twenty years ago when I was a young comic, um, when older comics denigrated the new. Yeah, and I don't like it now. Well, then give me one comic that's new that you like. New, new, new. Well, I love uh, John. Oh, uh, uh, what the cock's his name? Where's he from? Mul- no, he's on... Mulaney? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's in New York. He's SNL. Right. Yeah. Like he, I, he's I, amazing. He's Bob Newhart for this generation. Right. Uh, Hannibal Burris. Hannibal's uh, great. Uh, Chicago. Jen Kirkman, I think... Jen's 40. Is she 40? Jen's 40. Or well, 39. Whatever. She's young to me. There's a lot of great people, and it's it's good that you're not... Mm. I don't think... I don't think... Uh, I, the thing I find when I... Because when I play clubs... Yeah. Uh, the middle act and the opening act are always in their 20s and yep. 30s. Um, I find so many intelligent people Good. and and so much uh, uh, so much there. I I really I remember reading an article about Burl like 25 years Mil-Burl? ago. Burl? Yeah. Mel Burl was known for being a massage. Right, and he was a curmudgeon yeah. and he was like, oh, "I don't like this and I don't like that." Yeah. And Tom Lehrer who I love would like, "I don't know, people say fuck and it's like are you joking? <laughs> well, to be fair, Bill, the shit. Bill Cosby yeah. doesn't say fucking. He's the funniest guy alive. So agreed. But Bill Cosby's a very weird individual. Yeah. Why? Well, but but like his someone I worshipped as a child. His Letterman set from like the last six months is the funniest thing you'll ever see. He's on a TV. genius. He's yeah. a genius. But but he would say about himself, I think, that his influences were Thurber and 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 writers, mm-hmm. Will Rogers, whatnot. He, yep. he his mother was real intense presence in his life, and she didn't. You know, he was never, he was never jive. You know what I mean? Uh, kinda. I mean, he did release some pretty cool soul records. Oh, no question. Yeah. But I mean, he's not bullshitty. Like, no. he, he's going to talk about his personal experience. Absolutely. And the thing about Cosby that makes him unique about all comedians, he doesn't tell jokes. He could tells I, stories. Could I throw out one weird thing about Bill Cosby? Yeah. Do you find it weird that the guy was a gynecologist and he had his office in his basement? Uh, Isn't that kind of weird? And that he did the Playboy Club all through the 60s and 70s, basically, <laughs> so he could chase white. That's fine. I don't care about that. Yeah. But in terms of a family sitcom, wouldn't it make sense for Claire to work at home as a lawyer and not, like, looking, you know, yeah. with your four daughters upstairs? That's just kind of weird. Isn't it? Yeah, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. <laughs>